teaching to teaching. Sorry about that. <laughs> Amen. So good to be in the house of the Lord today. You may be seated. Um, unfortunately, I did not have time to make copies for this lesson, um, but we will get the notes out to you. Hopefully tomorrow have those sent out and also put on the church app. Um, so good to have everyone here today that is here and also that is present online. Um, we love each and every one of you and we are so thankful for you. Amen. So we are going to continue in the lesson Rooted, a study on the book of Colossians. Amen. And if you want to follow along in your Bible, we do have some scriptures available. And we're going to start off in Colossians chapter 2 verses 6 and 7, and today I'm going to try to stick to the page AV. <laughs> Usually I've been um, using the Christian Standard Bible or the New Living Translation, but today I think we're going to stick with good old King James. Amen. So again, that's Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, and the word of the Lord reads, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Amen. He, he is so good to us. He wants us to walk in him. And you know, the theme for this year, we know that it is rooted, and this is where we, where we took that theme from. It was Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. And so the Lord is calling us to be rooted and built up in him. We have received the Lord because we have repented of our sins, because we have been baptized in Jesus' name, and we have his spirit living within us, he is calling us to a deeper level, a deeper relationship with him. And so we are to be rooted and built up in him. Everything about us needs to consist of Jesus Christ. It doesn't say be rooted and built up in Marie. It doesn't say be rooted and built up in our pastor or uh, the ministers in the church or each other, it says to be rooted and built up in him. That consists of me not even being there, but it's just him. Everything that comes through me, it's Jesus Christ. It's just Jesus living in me. And so we need to be established in the faith as we've been taught and abounding therein. And when we've been taught in the faith, with thanksgiving. So God has called us 
as Christians, and believe there's some echo, I'm sorry. We can somehow, um, amen, amen. So God has called us as Christians, uh, but more importantly, as a church body, to walk in him. That is to put on Jesus Christ. So how do we put on Jesus Christ? Colossians 3, if you move to the next chapter, verses 10 and 11, it says, And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond, nor free, but Christ is all and in all. So when we put on the new man, when we take off the old man and we put on the new man, that is a new person that he's created us in Jesus Christ, we are putting him on, and therefore Christ is all. He's not some of who we are or what we are, but he is everything. That means that I have to shut off every distraction, every noise from the world, and just be in him because Christ is all. And I understand that it's very hard for us because we live in this world. The Bible says that we are in this world but not of this world. And so we have to be careful because we have to go out there every single day but we have to make a point every day to spend time with the Lord, to be in his presence. What Brother Brown was talking about on Sunday, about coming closer, drawing closer to the Lord each and every day, that time of devotion where he pours into us. And a lot of the times what happens is we sit with him in prayer and we tell him all of our junk <laughs> and, and all of our needs and all of our wants and when we feel good about what about just giving him everything, we stop and we go about our day. But he has not poured into us. So we're walking out with very little Jesus in us, with minimum. So what we need to do every day is sit in his presence, come to him in thanksgiving, in worship, in praise unto him. And after we do that, and after we align ourselves with him through uh, repentance and asking the Lord for forgiveness, and we do those things, then we just open the word of God, we open the Bible, and we read it. And that's how he pours into us. That's how we get fed. And that's the important thing. The, the, um, the prayer says, give us this day our daily bread. And if all we're doing is just telling him all of our needs and not receiving that daily manna, that bread that he gives us from heaven, then we are not even nourished. And that's part of being rooted, rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ. So we have to be nourished. We have to read the word of God. And when we do that, when we're spending time in his presence, write it down, write what he talks to you about. What verse stands out? That's him speaking to you. That's him pouring into you. That's, those are the roots that are going in deeper into each and every one of us. Okay, I should, 
well, our roots, I should say, going deeper into Jesus, into him. So we need to focus on that, uh, just having the Lord pour into us. And so now we have a renewed, we're renewed in knowledge. We are renewed in knowledge because we're a new person. We are a new creature in Christ. And we are renewed in the knowledge after the image of him of the one that created us. And there is this new pattern of thinking that there is neither bond or free. There is no nationality, right? There is no social status. Um, there, there is no rank out there in the business world or anything where it's I'm up here and you're down there. There's none of that in the body of Christ. There's none of that in the church. And Paul made that very clear, and Jesus made that very clear. So God is not a respecter of persons. When we come to the house of God, everyone is a child of God. Everyone is a child of God. Aren't you thankful for that, that there's no ranks? We're all his children. And so we need to have that new mindset that we are all his children that he loves us all and that Christ is all and in all so when we put on Christ our mind our body and our soul is changed they are changed it's a gradual change there are times when when we when we give ourselves to the Lord, when we repent and we're baptized and he fills us with the gift of the Holy Ghost, there are times that he takes that addiction away, whatever that addiction is. He takes it away immediately. And there are things that we used to do that we no longer do. Um, and then there's also that gradual where he's constantly changing us, and that should be a constant thing. The, the more I live for the Lord, the more I should be changing, the more I should be transforming. Romans 12, verse 2 talks about being transformed, not being conformed to the world, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind and our thinking. Because our thinking is being changed, then the, way, the things that we do change as well because we're thinking completely different. We're thinking the way God wants us to think. Amen. Hallelujah, and they're still saying that the volume is quite low. I'm sorry, we're, we're trying, we're doing our best. Amen, so there is no longer you are better than me or I'm better than you. There's no difference. And there is a, also a transformation that takes place within our minds in the way that we think. Romans 12, and I just mentioned that, verses 1 and 2 says, I beseech you, Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That means that he doesn't do all the work. I have to put some of that work into it, too. I have to make sure that I present my body a living sacrifice. He wants me to be put on that altar, for me to put myself on that altar, because nobody else can make me. 
I have to do it myself. I have to voluntarily put myself on the altar. In the Old Testament, that lamb, that turtle dove, whatever it was, the goat, the, the bull that was put on the altar, wasn't. he didn't just say, okay, here I am, I'm going to sacrifice myself. That animal had to be put on that altar, and the, the person that was bringing that offering had to lay its hand on the animal saying, you are taking my place while the priest sacrificed that animal in front of you while you were touching it because it was taking your place. So now we no longer ha have that sacrificial system. Now we have to put ourselves on the altar. We can't run away. We have to tie ourselves on that altar every single day in the altar of repentance. And we have to confess our sins unto the Lord. And we have to just be open and honest to him and with him and just repent. So he wants us to be a living sacrifice, holy. And we must be acceptable unto God. We must be acceptable unto God. I'm not just going to throw myself on there and just haphazardly and say, well, here I am. I have to come humbly before him. I have to come humbly before him with thanksgiving, with praise, and say, Lord Jesus, I humble myself. I'm nothing. You are everything. And so let your perfect will be done in my life. And so God's will for our lives is first good, then acceptable, followed by perfect. Verse 2 says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. We mentioned that there's a transformation that takes place in our mind, but we have to make that conscious effort. Lord, I want to be transformed. I want to be changed. I don't want to stay the same. I want you to change me, so I'm going to get on that altar. I am going to give up my will for your will, because it says that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So if we're going to prove the will of God for our lives, that means that I have to put my will aside. We can't prove if God's will is good, if God's will is acceptable, or if God's will is perfect for our lives if we don't let go. If we don't let go. If we don't let go, it has to be complete surrender. So God, there are three different levels of the will of God for our lives. And we just mentioned them because God has a purpose for our lives, whether we are serving him or not. Okay, every person on this earth that is born has a purpose. God had you in his mind. He knew exactly who you were going to be, the personality you were going to have, the things that you were going to do, the person you were going to marry, everything. He knows everything. He knows the end from the beginning, and he made you with a purpose. So whether you're serving the Lord or not, he has a purpose for your life. But it is up to us to turn towards him 
And the moment we make that change, we say, okay, Lord, transform us. Lord, change us. Make us into that new man, into that new person, that new creature after your image. Then when we say that to him and we leave our will behind, we put that down on the altar of sacrifice, then we can prove what is that good, that good will of God. Those are the baby stages. Lord, you are good. Now that I'm walking with you and you are in me, your will is good for me. Isn't that true? We, we test him. We prove him. Wow, that's amazing. Your will is perfect for me. Your, your will is good. And then after we take those baby steps, his will transforms to acceptable because we yield more and more of ourselves to him. And then after we just say, okay, I give it all. I give everything. I am living by faith. I am living in your perfect love. There is no fear in me because I know I can trust you with everything. And when we do that, when we yield completely unto the Lord, then his will becomes perfect. Perfect. That means that I'm not in the vicinity of his will. I am right smack in the middle of his will for my life. Because we can be in the vicinity of his will. You know what that's called? The permissive will of God. The permissive will of God. Because I'm still holding on to my will. I'm only yielding parts of my life. I'm not yielding everything to him. And so if we're going to be rooted and grounded in Jesus, if we're going to take that leap of faith, there are some things that need to be changed in our lives. There are some things that need to take effect in us. Some things that have to be transformed in our lives because we don't want to be in the vicinity of the will of God. We want to be in the perfect will of God in the middle of his will for us. Oh, Jesus, Lord, help us, oh God. Help us today to be in your perfect will. And this lesson may get heavy as we go on, I'm not sure, but I know that where God, I know where God wants to take us eventually in this lesson, and it's complete surrender. It's complete surrender of self. It's complete surrender of fear, of anxiety, of worries, of doubts, of hurts. Whatever it is, he wants us to release everything. I have to be in the perfect will of God. I can't afford to be in the vicinity of the will of God because he might it's acceptable to him. You understand? It's acceptable, but it's not perfect. So I have to make sure that I just, 
I love him. He loves me personally. And I know that's a little bit hard to comprehend because none of us know perfect love. When it comes to natural family members, people in our lives, friends, co-workers, there is no such thing as perfect love. And you may have had the best father, best mother in the world, but their love is not compared to Jesus, to his love. And so I have to leave the fears behind. And that's what we're getting into the soil, removing the things in our lives that, that are not good for us. He has called us to be rooted and grounded in him. So there are some things that we have to take care of. We must take care of if we're, if we're going to be rooted and grounded in him. What are those things? The soil. The first thing that we have to take care of is the soil. In the natural, when you're, and I brought my plant, and I almost forgot about it. See this beauty right here? I know that the camera is a little bit far, and that's okay. Um, there's quite a bit going in here. I wish I would have uh, been able to give the pictures of this plant. Maybe we can show that in the next lesson. Um, but when I bought this plant, I bought this... <laughs> I bought this at Walmart. I went to the gardening section, and um, it was so awesome. I, I'm, I could stay there for hours. I think I actually stayed there for a good hour. I felt so bad for my children and my husband. Um, but I went around, and there wasn't even that many plants, but I was just looking at them and looking at them, and I just, I mean, there were so many plants, but then there was, this huge section, unfortunately, that were dead <laughs> or dying. I'm going, oh, my word, these poor plants, you know, they're not taking care of them. And if you know me, if you've been to my house, then you would know how many plants I have in my house. I have uh, over 20 plants, something of that nature, and they're everywhere. I've got uh, something upstairs in my room, then Micah has a couple in his room, and I've got some in the kitchen, in the dining room, in our prayer room. And our prayer room is the one that really <laughs> has the most plants. But it's my serene place. It's where I go there all the time. I'm in there 24-7. So anyway, back to the plant. So this plant was, I found it. And you see the, um, the pot that it's in. But there's another pot in here. When I looked at it, I saw the tag on it, and it said Calathea. And I said, what, a Calathea? And if you don't know what that is, it's a praying plant. And what do praying plants do? They bow down to pray, and they rise up at night. Um, and so, as you can tell, mine is going up right now. It's close to nighttime. It is nighttime, and so it's going up. And so in the morning, when the sun starts coming up, the plant starts bowing down to pray. And when I found this little plant, all of the leaves were completely closed. They were uh, folded into itself. And the plant was coming out of the dirt, practically almost off the dirt. It was 
falling over to the side. It was just a mess. And when I looked at it, I thought, maybe we can save this thing. I don't know. And Eliezer said, Mom, you're trying to be like God. And I said, no, I'm not trying to be like God. Um, and then I said, you know what? Yes, I am. We are called to be like Jesus, so yes, I am. I'm trying to be like God, and I'm going to try to resurrect this plant. And then Micah piped up and said something like, you're really going to buy a dead plant. I'm like, yes, <laughs> it's not dead. It doesn't look like it's dead yet. It's dying, but it's not dead quite yet. And so I take it to the register, and the lady at the register takes the plant and plops it down, like, really hard. I'm thinking, like, please don't do that. It's on its last leg. Um, and so when she checked to see if we can get, because I wasn't going to pay full price for the plant if it's dying. So I got a good discount on it. I got half off. And, and so before she can put it back on the belt, I took it from her because I didn't want the plant to be hurt. I just couldn't stand looking at the plant. I mean, she even crushed one of the leaves. Like, no, <laughs> don't die on me on the way home. So I took it home, and as soon as we got home, I put some water in it. I believe it was 6 o'clock at night, and then around 10 o'clock, I went to check on it. The leaves started uncurling. And then I watered it again. The next morning, I went to check in the room around 6 o'clock in the morning. The plant had completely drunk up everything I had put in it. There was no, you know, the dirt wasn't wet. It was completely dry. That's how dry the plant was, malnourished. It wasn't fed properly. And the leaves start were now completely uncurled, but it was still on its side. It didn't have the strength to stand up, so I, I gave it some water again. By that night, it looked amazing. It looked like a different plant altogether. It wasn't falling off anymore, but then I found some other problems that were in the plant. It came with bugs. And I had just gotten rid of all the bugs from my other plants. And I'm thinking, great. I hope it doesn't infect my other plants. So immediately, I put this little butterfly on it, that yellow sticky that you see on there, and it's, got, it's sticky on both sides. So right now, it has caught well over 20 bugs on there. And they're little gnats, they're little flies, plant gnats. But it's cut, caught quite a bit of them on there, and thankfully, I haven't seen any other bugs, any other plants. I'm keeping an eye on them very closely. But if you see this plant, and it has a bunch of little babies in there, and just it's got maybe one or two leaves that are dry, but it looks amazing. It doesn't look like it ever had a problem, that it was malnourished or anything like that, because it was fed. It's being taken care of. Things are being removed that shouldn't be there. And so when we, when we talk about being rooted and grounded in him, like we mentioned, we have to take care of the soil. We have to take care of the soil of our hearts, okay? We have to make sure that we remove any bugs, any large rocks that might keep me 
from growing properly because the dirt does have rocks, but you have to, when you're gardening, when you're going to plant something, you have to make sure you take those big rocks that are out there. And then oh, those nasty bugs, you don't want to take the, the worms out because the worms actually help. They help the plant. They fertilize the ground. Now, if it's in a pot, it's a different story. There are other things that you have to put in here. You have to buy fertilizer, and you have to fertilize your plants to make sure that they grow properly and that they get the nutrients and they can reproduce and all of that. But when we're talking about the ground, we have to remove those bugs. We have to remove the grubs, the things that, that might infect it, that might eat it, that might eat the roots of it, not just the stuff that's on the surface, but inside the soil, there are creatures that might eat the, the fruit that comes from that plant or the roots. So you have to remove those things. You also have to remove invading plants that are around it. Before you plant the plant, before you actually put it on the ground, there are other plants that are not good to be around that plant that, you know, that you're trying to put down. So let's, for example, peppermint. Peppermint grows like crazy, and it overgrows, and it invades everything. So if you're going to have peppermint, you have to make sure you put it completely separate away from everything else because it will take over. It will grow tall. It will grow to the sides. Next thing you know, you have a bed full of peppermint. <laughs> And what happened to the potatoes and what happened to the onions? They're, <laughs> they're overtaken by peppermint. So you have to remove those invading plants from it, from around it. And then on top of that, you have to remove harmful debris. When, you know, we had a bed uh, that we had, it's been about five, no, six years ago six years ago that we did one. I would love to do it again. I would love to have my own tomatoes, potatoes, and onions and stuff. But we did, I remember we did potatoes, we did red potatoes, and we did onions. And oh my word, it was amazing um, doing that. But what happened was there was glass inside, deep inside. I found a pipe. Somebody must have left it there. Um, there were things on the soil on the top, but there was also stuff um, under. So you have to remove these things. When you're pulling up potatoes, I don't, I don't want to get cut because potatoes grow down, and there has to be plenty of room. So when I'm, I'm actually using the shovel, I have to make sure that I don't cut myself in the process. So you have to remove the harmful debris that is around it. You also must remove weeds. Ahead of time, remember, we're taking care of the soil before we take care of anything else. We have to take care of the weeds and remove those because then it will choke everything that is there, the plant. Number two, so first we talked about the soil. Then we have to take care of the plant itself. Your plant is the most important, well, one of the most important things. First is the soil, right? 
That has to be completely ready. Then is the plant. I'm not just going to throw my plant into some dirt. I've seen some people do that. <laughs> and that lady at Walmart, I mean, the way she plopped my plant down, I'm like, don't do that. Um, but when you're actually planting it, you have to be gentle with it. You have to be careful with its roots. Some plants have has sensitive roots, have gentle roots. Some, no problem. It, you can actually, you know, remove some of them because they're so intertwined and, you know, it's root-bound, what they say called root-bound. But you have to loosen that. You have to loosen the roots and you have to make sure that you put it in properly and they're, so you have to take care of your plant, that you're not injuring the roots and that you're also not injuring the leaves. Number three, you have to take care of the environment. You have to get the environment ready. It's not good enough to take care of the soil, and it's not good enough to take care of your plant, but you also need to take care of the environment. You must protect the plant from the elements and the environment that it will come in contact with. And you also need to expose that plant to elements and to certain environments if you're going to take care of it. So we have to protect it, meaning, you know, some plants can't make it in 20 degree weather. Some can't make it below zero. Some have to be, the temperature has to be right. It does have a variance. Oh, you know, this plant can do great. At 20, uh, I mean at 40, 50, 45, let's say 50 degrees all the way to 70, 80. But go any lower than that, you're going to kill it. So the, the environment that you're putting it has to be right. S the humidity level, all of these things that you have to take in account. You have to mist it. Some you have to mist it. You know, you have to baby some of these plants. Um, but Aren't we like that? Everyone is different. We come from different environments. Yes, Brother Brown. Oh, I thought you had um, a comment. Um, so you, you need to take care of the environment and also the elements that it comes in contact with. You know, there are some things that you want to keep your plant away from. It depends on what it is, the tree, or the, the birds, you know, that might sit on it. Maybe you don't want it near it. What about the weather? How about you? Over touching it. Over, over watering. <laughs> Underwatering. All of that. So you have to be careful. And that goes right into number four, feeding. It needs to receive the proper nutrients and food to help the plant grow. So you need to make sure that you're feeding it the proper things. And we're going to go into that later. And number five, the last one, is the fruit. The fruit. The plant or the tree is either going to bud, give flowers, maybe it's going to produce more green, more green leaves. 
but if it's going to give fruit, what, whether it, it's a tree or a bush, whatever it may be, it must produce appropriately. You have to make sure that it produces appropriately. And we're going to talk about that, how it needs to produce through proper, by properly pairing it with like trees, because you know there are female and male trees. And, I mean, it's just insane how God, how he created things. It's amazing. It's amazing. And then there are some that are pierced, some plants that are pierced. And actually, if you're a good gardener, every plant needs to be pruned. Every plant has to be pruned or it has to be pierced in some way for it to grow better, grow bigger, and grow stronger. So we're going to be talking about all of those things. So let's get into the soil. Luke 8, let's turn to Luke chapter 8, verses 5 through 8. Again, that's Luke 8, verses 5 through 8, and then we're going to jump to verses 11 through 18. And this is the parable of the seed. Of the Amen. So here we go. Verse 5, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. What were we just talking about, right? And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit an hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And that is very important. That is key. Now let's jump to verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. And that which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they which in, uh, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. No man, when he hath Light a candle, or yeah, lighted a candle, covereth it with a vessel, or put it, putteth it under a bed, but setteth it on a candlestick, that they which enter in may see the light. For nothing is secret that should not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. Take heed, therefore, how you hear. 
For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. So when we talk about the soil, we must make sure that we take care of the things that are in it, that are in the soil. The soil is the filter by which we hear the word of God. Let me repeat that again. The soil is the filter by which we hear the word of God. How we receive the things he has given us. So if you saw, it said in verse 18, take heed therefore how you hear. It doesn't say that they, they don't hear. Because if you look at each and every ground, they hear. Each of them, it says that they heard the word, that they heard it. But it was how they received it, how they heard it, how they heard it. And so we have to make sure that we filter the word of God through the right things. Through the right things. We need to be careful how we hear the word of God. If we have things that are detrimental to our lives, we won't be able to receive the word of God properly. Because everything is going to be filtered through the things that are harming us, to the things that we haven't taken care of in the soil. So thank you, Jesus, that we repent, that we confess, because that's a very important key. We have to confess with our mouth, to the Lord, our sins. He knows what we've done, but we still have to confess it. Not for his sake, for our sake. Because the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. And so there may be things that we have forgotten about, but in confession, as we say it out loud to the Lord, oh, more things are coming to the light. Verse 16 says, No man, when he hath lighted a candle, covereth it with a vessel, or putteth it under a bed, but setteth it on a candlestick, that they which enter in may see the light. What does that mean? Lord, you're exposing everything that is in me. Now that I am confessing, now that I'm hearing properly, that I'm hearing your word properly, I'm seeing what's there and what needs to be removed out of my life. Verse 17, for nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. So that is talking about the Lord exposing the things that are in us. We need to make sure that we let the Lord light that candle and that he shines it into our hearts, into our lives, so that we can remove the things that don't need to be there. Yes, Brother Brown. Yeah, I just wanted to, uh, I was reading something the other day about something that's called motivated reasoning. Um, and motivated reasoning is basically when we find some sort of logic to fit what we want to think or what we want to believe. Um, we put these filters on 
even when we read the word of God and we think, I've got to find scriptures to fit what I want to believe. Um, and what motivated reasoning does um, excuses my behavior. And it allows me to keep things behind doors. And it doesn't really allow the light of the word of God to really penetrate because I'm only reading the Bible for the motivation of reasoning my way into doing what I want to do. And that's not how we should read the word of God. We need to read the word of God and say, Lord, let the meditation of my heart. Right. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Um, we need to say, Lord, cleanse me even from the secret faults. Lord, show me where I'm at. Let, let it truly be a mirror where I can really see and let it reflect the true image and, and not just reading it to try to say, oh, I can do that because so and so, you know, and we can you can make a doctrine out of any scripture if you want to. Right. That's why we have to rightly divide the word of truth and not just divide the word of truth. There's a difference. There's a huge difference. Amen. Amen. We have to make sure that we confess and we humble ourselves. God is not going to take pride. He didn't do it with, with Lucifer. So when we come before him, we have to humble ourselves. There has to be confession. There has to be repentance that takes place. And then we allow him to remove those things from our lives. So what are some things? So we, we mentioned in the physical things, the natural things, when you're taking care of the soil. But in spiritual terms, what are some things that can clog up the filter by which we receive the word of God? What The cares of life. What are some things that can clog up the filter by which we receive the word of God? Um, pains. Pains? Wounds. Yes. Grudges, <laughs> unforgiveness. Right. How about, you know, bitterness? And Brother Brown mentioned it. If you're hurt in your life, there's different kinds of hurts. There's different kinds of hurt. But if you've been, whether it's church hurt, a father wound, a mother wound, um, a friend betrayed you, whatever the case may be, there's so many different kinds of hurts. And so, and I think that's the biggest thing. But because then when you're hurt, then you can become bitter. And we have to make sure that we don't allow that. All of us are going to get hurt at some point. All of us. But this is why it's important to lay ourselves before the altar. I present my body a living sacrifice. Because only he knows. So because he knows and I don't fully know the extent of the hurt 
that is inside of me. I need to confess. I need to let the word root it out, literally take it out. When I'm reading his word, when he is giving me the da- his daily bread, my daily bread, the manna, that manna, that is the word of God, is going to expose some things. Some scriptures are going to jump out. Oh, create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. How proud look. No, oh, Jesus, I'm sorry. Am I, am I doing that? If I am, then I'm sorry. I confess. Maybe my attitude has been rotten. It has been rotten. I haven't been treating my husband or my children or my coworkers right or my fellow brothers and sisters right. I'm sorry, Jesus. Please forgive me. And when you do those things, there's healing that takes place. He just puts that ointment in, and he starts healing you. He's removing, removing detrimental things from our soil, removing things that are not good for us out little by little until we're completely clean. And so it's necessary. It's necessary that we let God love us. I think a lot of the times we... We don't fully open up to the Lord because we have been hurt so badly that we're going to think if we give everything, then I have control of nothing. I have, control of, I have no control of what you're going to do in my life. I have no control of what you're going to say, of what you're going to send my way. And you know that the Lord sent the disciples on storms more than one occasion. That was it was in his will to put them in the middle of a storm. So what are we going to do when we come up against a storm? If I want to be in the pinpoint, in the will of God, right smack in the middle of God's will for my life, then what did we say we have to do? I have to let go. And that's fear. Fear of the unknown. But if we're going to walk by faith, we have to step out. We've got to say, not what I want, what you want. And so we have many Christians have been so wounded and haven't opened themselves to the Lord completely because they're afraid of the unknown. But that's where God wants to take us. God wants to take us to deeper levels, to higher ground. He wants to take us to heavenly places with him. That's unknown. That's completely unknown. We've only touched a little bit of it. We don't come to church to speak in tongues. That's not the purpose of the Holy Ghost. 
The purpose of the Holy Ghost is to live a righteous life, a holy life, to minister life into other people. Not for me, for my benefit, for self-edification. I need to help the body. I need to edify the body. And so when I come to church, God wants me to be at a different level. Not here where I'm in need all the time. But if for that to take place, I have to be healed. Because if I'm not whole, then every time I come to the Lord, it's always going to be, Lord Jesus, touch me. Help me today. Take care of my need. Look at where I'm at. You need to save me or give me strength. And it's all about me, 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 me. But when God brings healing, and it's in levels, it doesn't happen all at once. But when he heals us, little by little, little by little, then all of a sudden I'm not praying for myself anymore. I'm praying for the needs of others. I'm praying for my church. I'm praying for my fellow brother. I'm praying for my sister. I'm praying for my coworker. And I'm saying, Lord, what is it that you're doing today, and how can I be a part of it? Because I want to be a kingdom changer. I want to be a world changer. I want to do your will. What has already taken place in heaven, I want it to happen here on this earth. So it has to change. We have to change. We have to completely let go of the fears of the hurts. We have to let go of the fear of the unknown. When we traveled to Georgia, my husband mentioned it on Sunday, we went through some mountains. And I'm telling you, we drove through the clouds. It was the coolest thing. I was driving, and I had the lights on. Obviously, we're, it's all fog. But it was crazy because there were trucks that were flying through <laughs> right beside us. Um, and here I am going 40 miles an hour, 40, 45 miles an hour, and I couldn't see. It was just cloud all around us. And then we felt it coming through the ventilation system on the van, literally like passing through us. And I'm thinking, oh, how it would have felt when the presence of God came down over the tabernacle in the wilderness, that cloud coming down. And Moses talked with the Lord in the cloud. And the people witnessed that. And they felt that. Because when you're in heavenly places, when you're in the clouds, the atmosphere changes. It's lighter. You can breathe better. And it goes through you. And it's exhilarating. And we were going through, we couldn't see a thing except for what was literally in front of the vehicle. And here we are passing through the clouds, and we're just speaking in tongues and worshiping the Lord because I'm, all we're thinking is, Lord, we just want to sit in heavenly places with you. Hallelujah. I just want to be in heavenly places with you. I don't want to be down on the ground anymore. I want to come up to the mountain, Lord Jesus. I want to go where you are. I want to sit with you. I want you to shine on me. I want that to reflect in me and through me. I need to be completely engulfed by you. 
to be overshadowed by your presence. That's where God wants to take us. That's where God wants to take us. But he can't take us up to the mountain in the state that we're in. You know, the first thing that the Lord told Moses to do when he got up to the mountain was take off your shoes. Do you know what that means? It means you need to relinquish your authority and your dominion. Because everywhere you step, you have dominion over that ground. You have dominion over that ground. But the Lord said, not here, not in my holy mountain. You're under my power. You have to submit to this greater power, this greater authority. So take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. It's not your will anymore, Moses. It's my will. My will. And it's just one step at a time. But we have to be obedient. We have to relinquish our will. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's just raise our hands for a moment and just let the Lord speak over us right now. You're worthy, Jesus. You're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. You're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. You know, the closer we get to him, the more quiet we become. Because we want to hear him speak. We want to hear him speak. The closer we get to him, the more in awe we are. The more he sheds his light on us. And I don't want to be distant from God. I don't want to keep things away from him. I want him to expose it all. I want him to expose it all. I don't care how much I hurt in the process. You know, last month, and I say that, I say that sincerely. I say that sincerely. <laughs> I believe it was a month or two ago. I think it was end of January. The Lord said to me, you must suffer. You must suffer. You must suffer. <laughs> but he doesn't cause us to, to suffer because he... He, he wants to hurt us. He wants to restore us. And so it hurts because things are being removed. If there is a dead leaf on here, which there's a couple, I'm going to have to remove it. I've been waiting to remove some of the dead leaves on this plant because it was in such bad shape when I bought it. I said, if I start removing things immediately, it might hurt it. 
So it's going to have to be like that with its hurts for some time until I can restore it back to health, until it's bowing down properly and going back properly, until it's doing everything that it needs to do. And I waited months. And thank you, Sister Angie, when you came over and I was in Georgia and you removed some of those dead leaves. But God sends people in our lives to help us to remove some of the things that are dead in our lives. And when he does, we think it's the person that is hurting us. But is God wanting to prune us? It's not the person. It's not the person. It's God doing surgery. But we don't want to receive it. We don't want to receive it because only we see is the person. We see the hurt, the hurt that other people have caused us. So all we see is another person is hurting me. I don't want to be hurt again, and so we clam up again. But God doesn't want us to clam up. He wants us to lay before him open. Right. And so if he uses a person, by all means, Lord, whatever you have to do to me, but clean me up. Right. Clean me up. Yeah. And believe me, he's used many people, many people to clean me. And that is constructive criticism. And there have been times when the Lord allows hurts to happen. Not constructive criticism. Because that does hurt a little bit. But I know, I know I'm going to grow from this. But there have been times where there have been bitter things that have been given to me. And I've had to say, Lord, I can't take this bitter stuff. I can't deal with it. So you know what you're supposed to do with it? Give it to the Lord. It's not for you to swallow it. It's not for you to ingest it. It's not for you to make it a part of your life. It's not for you to put it deep down inside the, the, the dirt, the soil. It's for it to come out. Do you realize that every pot, that you, every plant that you put in a pot has to have holes inside the pot that earth has to breathe out it has to let out toxins if it's in a pot that's closed the roots are going to rot the roots are going to rot because it's just standing in a pool it has to breathe we need the Holy Ghost to breathe on us. We need the Holy Ghost to breathe on us. And the Holy Ghost is his water. It's that spirit that's overflowing and, and just bubbling in us. So it's pouring in us and it's washing every toxin out. And it's also the spirit that allows us to pray in the Holy Ghost in tongues. And when we do that, we utter things that we don't know, but the spirit knows. It knows because it's what we need. We pray in the spirit. Oh, Jesus. We need the Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Ghost. Oh, Jesus. 
and we're going to end it right here. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Change us today. Lord God, we humble ourselves before you. We feel it, Lord Jesus. You are so great and we are not. I am not, Lord Jesus. Jesus, we humble ourselves before you, oh God. Wherever you are right now, if you can, confess your faults to the Lord. Start talking to the Lord right now. Have a repentant heart right now. This is the perfect time. His presence is there. His presence is here. And he wants to work in us. He wants to do a great work in us and through us. And so we must allow him to do surgery in our hearts. We must allow him to heal us. It is that perfect cut, that perfect incision Oh, God, from the surgeon that is going to help you heal. I know it might hurt. It might hurt for a time. But he is going to bring healing and restoration to you. Don't let the ugly things in life cut you wrongly. It has to be a sharp cut for the word of God. It's a two-edged sword, and it pierces. Oh, Jesus, do the work in us today. Do the work in us today, Lord Jesus. We don't want to be the same. We want to be like you. We want to be in you. Oh, Lord, you are all, and you are in all. You are in everything. You are in every part of my life, in the beautiful things of my life, the ugly things of my life. You are in all, Lord Jesus. Lord, we cry out, dear Jesus, shed light into those places. Oh, God. Help us heal. Shed light, dear Jesus. Shed light, dear Jesus. Shed your light. Light when it comes in contact with darkness. It hurts at first, but Lord, we get accustomed to that light, and then we want more light, dear Jesus. We want more light. We want your light, dear Jesus. Shine upon us today, Lord God. Oh, God, do a perfect work, oh, God, in us. Help us, Lord, to remove all the other filters that are in our lives, dear God. And help us to see your word. Everything that we receive, let it be through the filter of love. Your perfect love, which casts out fear. Perfect love says, not my will, your will be done. Perfect love says, 
I trust you. I'm going to step out in faith, and I'm going to trust you wherever you take me. I don't have to see where I'm going if I'm following you, if I am being led by you, because you know, you know where I'm going, and you know where you're taking me. I don't have to know. I don't have to have an explanation. You are God and God alone. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just worship him. Lord, we worship you. Thank you, Lord, for the work that you've done tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the work that you've done tonight. Oh, there's so much more that you want to do. Thank you, Lord. You know, there's so much more that God wants to do. But that's what he does. He does it in, in levels. He takes his time. He's patient with us. He's not going to push us. It's only when we yield to him, when we yield to him, that he can work on us. And I believe that the Lord did a great work tonight. And I believe that God wants to do greater things. So let it be our goal throughout this week, the rest of this year. Lord, make me in your image. Continue to mold me. It may hurt, but it's okay because you're not here to hurt me. You're here to perfect me, to make me more holy like you are holy. So if it hurts, okay. If I have to be put in the furnace, it's okay. Because when I come out, I shall come forth as gold. Amen. God bless you. I'm so thankful for each and every one of you love you. We are praying for you. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. And may he give you peace. Amen. God bless.